Welcome everyone to your new home of track and field ramblings hosted by Matt Lynch. This is a safe place for weird and wonderful athletics banner, so come on in and join the fun. And welcome to Athletics Tonight. Well, we are back at it again with another episode of Athletics Tonight. Thanks to this week's opening musical guest, Trayvon Bromel L. Cool J. Another epic seven days of track and field. The Paralympics are in full swing. We had two diamond leagues last week and two more to go. We'll wade through all of this and more and finish off with some of the dumb rules that athletes have to face day to day in track and field. Oh, some doozies out there. Stay tuned. Now, last week in track and field, we did have two Diamond Leagues, Athletisma and the Meeting de Paris. And now, it was a pretty tough night out in the old Stade Olympique de la Pontese in Lausanne. Pretty shitty conditions uh, for a lot of them. No, not for the 100 runners. Shelley and Fraser Price drops a 10-16 in scalps. Elaine thompson Hera. That wasn't too bad of a performance, I must say. But for the Australians, it was actually a pretty good night out. Lyndon Hall just rolled out on the field, had a huge lead over the field coming into that last lap. It just wasn't Frawani Gebrezabiza. Just got her at the end, but Lyndon finishing in second place. And same as in the men's 3,000 metres McSwain took it upon himself to push the pace, and he did. Inga Britson just stuck on him, and Aragori from Ethiopia had to bridge that gap right at the end and just snuck past him. But the thing that gets me, it is a bit weird. It's it, it's probably nothing. But there's some news outlets that say, oh, last night in the Diamond League, two silver medals, two athletes on the podium, well, three athletes on the podium. Didn't Nicola McDermott get a... Third, yeah. Three athletes on the podium at the Diamond League. I'm like, oh, like, do you tell them that there's no podium? Like, You don't actually get a medal at a Diamond League. I understand the public get podiums and, you know, they've just come off the Olympics where it's all about the podium. But can we just say second place? What sounds better? I don't, like, to me, you're not winning a silver medal. It's like going down to a shieldman. It's like, oh, how'd you go? Oh, I got a silver. Oh, can I have a look? Oh, I don't actually, like, I didn't actually get a silver. Oh, so what'd you come? I've got second. Well, there you go. That's all you got to say. To me, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's like it doesn't really matter. Probably not. But is it doing my head in? Yes. So that's just I have to deal with that. I just deal with my own shit. Yeah. Now we move on to meeting de Paris in Stade Chalety in Paris. Um, fantastic French accent there by myself there. Um, Fred Curley and Kenny Benarek, who, when I first heard his name, Bednarek, but apparently you don't say the D in Kenny Bednarek, and you really hit the na. So Kenny Bednarek. He's how you need to say it. They both were in 1979, dead heated. Went to Fred Curley, though, the Olympic silver medalist over the 100 metres, and that's a massive PB for him. I'm pretty sure Benarek... He's having the best 200-meter season of all time. He's done like nine or ten sub-20s 
and like legal and then 20 maybe nine uh, maybe 11 or 13 windy sister ones like it's he's on fire now peter bowl he did have a change of fortunes in um in lasanne i think he was feeling a little bit sick he went straight to the back of the pack and grabbed himself a ninth place a 147.9 i was like oh you know i didn't know it was sick and i was like oh yeah you know He's had a good run. Like, mate, it's a bit, been a long season. Then two days later, he's like, sake, fourth place. Wycliffe Kinyamol, 143.9. Ferguson Rotich, ASAP takes it, 144.45. Marco Arop is just, ever since the Olympics, he's been top three. He's won both and then come third. And then Peter Boll, 144.88. So he backed it up. And then like a week later, he's on a private jet coming home. Oh, he's just living the life. Peter Bowl. He's just having the sickest time. I can't wait to see where he goes. Curtis Marshall was in the pole vault. He wouldn't be too happy with that one. 5.45. Bit of a bummer there for him. But we get to the women's high jump. Two athletes in the top four. Nicola McDermott takes the win on a countback from Lassaskini, 198 each. Gerachenko goes 195. So does Patterson. And Patterson takes fourth place. But Patterson also scalps Mahuchik, who was the bronze medalist in Tokyo and the silver medalist from Doha. So Patterson looking very, very good indeed. I can't wait for that one as well. Now, I would love to do a big pump up for the Paralympics, but I'm going to wait till it's over next week's episode. It'll be a massive Paralympics pump up once it's all done and wrapped up just to make sure we give everyone their due at the right time and then we'll go into the Zurich Diamond League but overnight well not overnight it was a couple of days ago we had plenty of Aussies at Palio Cita della Quercia in Stadio Quercia Rovereto uh, men's 100 meters Ron Browning it was kind of two different races in this one so Marvin Bracey took the win in 998 but Browning in, I don't know, can you say it's his favourite lane, lane one? He's probably done his most famous work in lane one uh, after his heat win in Tokyo. He takes fourth place in 10.25. Jerome Blake, Julian Fort in 15 and 19 was second and third. But he took some good scalps here. He's taken CJ Green. He's taken Mike Rogers, who has been on the scene forever. So to take that win, he's actually, Rowan was destroying the field over the first 30 to 40. But once they came through the transition, Bracey just took the field apart at the end. We had a few more Aussies in that one. Matt Ramsden was 10th in the 3,000 metres in 7.55. Geordie Beamish, the Kiwi, finished in third. Actually, pretty close to Agita and Bibish of Serbia, 7.39, 7.41. Beamish, 7.42, 39. Still got some fair few Aussies over there. Jack O'Gill, the Kiwi, 21-20 in the shot. Nearly took the win in that one. In the women's 800 metres, so tight a race there. Katrina Bissett in fourth place, 201-03. Very, very close though. So Merritt Mora took it in two flat 40. Deborah Rodriguez, two flat 50. Chanel Price, 2 flat 89. Bissett, 201.03. Hedda Hein, 201.05. And then Lyndon Hall, 201.45 in eighth place in that race. And she'll be back in that mile in 
Belgium. And in the women's 100 hurdles, another close race. Liz Clay, 13.07 for fifth place. It was 12.95.96.13.01.02.07. A super close race there in in Italy. And in the women's javelin, Kelsey Lee Barber on her last throw drops out of 60.72 for fourth place and qualified for the Diamond League final by one point. And look, that's what you've got to do. you just got to find a way to get there. And Clutch Barber, she's done it all the time. She just cannot What She's going to win the Diamond League. I'm putting it out there now. She's going to win the Diamond League. Let's see how it goes. Kristen Hussong won it in 66.06. And I'm pretty sure Hussong didn't even make the final in Tokyo. So just just shows how tricky and how hard it is to get the right jab out there at the right time. Obviously, you've got the jab in your hand, but you've just got to get a big one out. And if you can't get it out there, it's just not your day. Some people can do it, some people can't. I'm really looking forward to uh, Kels in that javelin in the Diamond League final in Zurich. And it's a payday. I'm trying to work out. I think it's 30K US to win the Diamond League. So just being in there, just having a chance for $30,000 US. What's that? What's the Aussie dollar at the moment? 75. What's that? Is that 40k Australian? You almost want the you want the Aussie dollar to go down so you actually win more money. So it's kind of shitty if the Aussie dollar's up. Let's have a look. I'm going to go to a currency converter right now. There it is. Bank. US dollars, 30k. It's $40,620. Fuck. What a time. What a time to be alive. 2018, we had Brendan Stark. Won the Diamond League. It actually gives you a free pass to the World Champs. So if you win the Diamond League final, that's a free ticket to the World Champs. So Kelsey's already got a free ticket because she's the reigning World Champion. But if anyone wins the Diamond League, they get a free pass. So technically next year we could have, because Kelsey's the reigning World Champ, it also allows you to have four athletes. So if Kelsey goes, Catherine Mitchell goes, Mackenzie Little goes, there's a fourth spot for any aspiring women's javelin throwers to get to Eugene. This is a call. This is a call to all women's javelin throwers wanting to go to the world champs. There is a fourth spot, I repeat. This is a there is what this there is a fourth spot for Eugene World Champs in the women's javelin throw. There's actually a chance in Doha for us to have four. We could have done it. Sally retired. Because she was the reigning world champ from 2017, free pass. And we had Brianna Bean, Michelle Jenica, Celeste Mucci. We could have had four. We've never had four. Because not only do you need to have depth, you need to have a reigning world champ, which we've never had many of them. But then you also need three more extra who have the ability to qualify. And honestly, women's jav, we've got the ability to do it. I'm looking at no pressure. Alex Roberts, I think she's got the stuff. I think she's got the juice to get there. She threw 57 this year. Just need to find a little bit more. Toss it out there. A couple of 60s, 61s. You know, that spot's there, ready to take. Four javelin throwers. We could have half the final. Well, the final's 12, but half of the top eight. We had three finalists in Tokyo. Why couldn't we have four? I don't see a problem with it. <laughs> 
Well, bloody all right. Here we are for the second last Diamond League. It is the Memorial Van Dam Brussels Diamond League in King Badwan Stadium. I'm looking forward to this one. It's a fantastic field assembled here. This is normally one of the Diamond League finals, but this year all the finals are in Zurich, which I'm, I am looking forward to that one. It is going to be tip top. Now... There's a few events that have caught my eye at this one. One, The main one being... Well, not the main one. One of them. The Mimmons 5,000 metres. The field assembled here is ridiculous. Apart from no Hassan, this is an all-time field. You've got Giddy's in there running 14.06. You've got Constance Klofterhausen, who fully reminds me of Gizmo from the Gremlins. I, I don't understand. I just don't. It's yeah. Have a look. Put them on side to side. It's crazy. McColgan's back in the in the picture there. You've got Helen Abiri. But the one I'm thinking that probably is going to take it out is Francine Neon Saba. After seeing what she did, I think she was fifth in the 10k at Tokyo. She was DQ'd in the 5k, so we didn't get to see her in the final. But at Eugene, she dropped a two mile. 9-0, second fastest time. She nearly broke the world record. And this is someone who medaled in the 800 metres back in Rio. And I think that she is a dark horse to take this out. In that field that's assembled there, Neon Saba, look, if it's paced out properly, she could honestly... Look, she got close to the world record in that two mile. It's only 1,800 metres. I say only 1,800 metres. There were some weeks when I was training that I didn't even run fully 1,800 metres in that whole week. So, you know, but for someone like this, 1,800 metres is nothing. I think she's going to go 1,420 at least in those conditions. I, I Honestly, women's 5,000 metres, I'm pretty keyed up for that one. We've got Nicola and Eleanor in the women's high jump. Nicola coming off a win in Paris, third in Lausanne in pretty shitty conditions and takes out the win in Paris, can she go two back-to-back here and leading in? She's making a bit of cash. Look, this is the whole time. You've got to get that cash. Got to get that money. Got to get that money. Um, Tiam, Nafi Tiam, the Olympic champion, the Belgium, the local. She's out there. She's got a PBF 202, which is just ridiculous. The heptathlete. So she'll have the crowd behind her. It's a pretty good field again, again. Lots at Skinny and Mahuchik in the field. Hopefully we can get the girls in that, both girls in the top four. In the women's mile, Lyndon Hall, she ran a 800 metres in Italy, Riveretto, and she's back in this. Hassan's actually running the, the 1500 here. So I'm looking forward to that one. Gisette Norris has been on a tear in the 1500 metres, but a lot of these athletes haven't really done much of a mile. So I think Lyndon Hall's probably going to take something out there pretty quick. Safan Hassan is the world record holder for the mile, so I'd expect something fast from her. In the men's 1500 metres, it's Stewie and Ollie again back out there, rolling out. It's another pretty good field. This could be a good chance for, uh, for Stu to... Really push the pace. So Sawinski's out there on the pace duties again. He is making some money on the pace circuit. 
Ingebrigtsen in the field, but the one to keep an eye on is Mohamed Katir, who, to be honest, everyone thought he was just going to do something special in the Olympics. After his 328 and not running the 1500 at the Olympics, he did the 5K, he just crumbled like a fucking milk arrowroot in that race. He did nothing, and we haven't seen him since. So it will be interesting to see what he can do here. Look, I'm looking to see Stewie in the smoke cheddar singlet, way out in front, pushing the pace, making it fast. We'll see what these other guys do if they want to go with him, but you know Ingebrigtsen's going to go with him. But Stu, look, you make the race. doesn't matter if you win. But you're making these races exciting and fast, and, and that's what I'm looking forward to. Now, I don't know when the last time this happened, but we have an athlete in the men's 100 metres at a Diamond League. It is Roman Browning. Yes, sir. He's turning up. He's looking good. He's in a bit of shape. He's actually in such good shape this year that out of the top 15 times by an Australian, he's got five of them. Patrick Johnson's got five. Sherva's got four of them. And Ross has one of them. And that's what that's what that's the kind of season that he's putting together. He's putting together one of the all-time seasons. Fair enough, not all of them are in the same season. But he's putting something together. And if we go through the start list of this race. Let's have a look. We've got Trayvon Bromel. He is 0-1-1 against Trayvon Bromel. So they raced in the semi-final. Bromel beat him. Artur Cisse from Cote d'Ivoire. Rowan's beat him two times. 2-0. He's never lost against Cisse. Mohamedou Fall. He's 0-1-1. Fall beat him at the Sidious meeting. And then you've got Curly, Michael Norman, the Kenyan Blake Ferdinand Amurua who all of a sudden just decided to run 9.86, and Simbeam. He has never raced any of them. So technically, he's 2-2 two and two against this entire field. So this is the real one. Like he's, he's, he's won twice against his whole field, and he's lost twice against his whole field. So Rowan, I think there's something pretty special that can happen here. I'm, real, I'm looking forward to this one. There's another race, though, towards the end, the women's 200 metres. Shakari Richardson... <laughs> He's back. And to be honest, I think she's going to get flogged. Dean Asher Smith, Sharika Jackson. Sharika Jackson's trying to come back and not fuck up her race like she did in the heats at, in Tokyo. And then you've got Beatrice Masalingi and Christine Mbomba. They're going to smash Shikari Richardson. I can't see, after what she did in Eugene, I can't see her doing anything special here. Her hair looked fantastic. She went for the red. I don't know if that was the red of Belgium, of Brussels, to, you know, spice up the crowd, but she's going to get smoked. Bomba's in awesome form. Masalini's in great form. Dean Asher-Smith's going to try and do something special, and Sharika Jackson's got a chip on her shoulder after she stuffed her Olympics up in the 200 metres. I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. I actually got to go to... Brag. Uh, in 2018, I went to the Brussels Diamond League, the Memorial Van Dam, and it was... Awesome. Apart from the time when I thought someone stole my bag and I was running around like a madman trying to find my bag. Um, and then someone just moved it. I was like, what the fuck are you weird Belgian people? Just leave my bag where it is. But then I got a free bag afterwards that I still have over there. I wear it to work every day. You know, do you wear a bag? I don't know if you wear a bag, but it's a Diamond League Nike backpack, which is pretty sick. It was for free. So I can't really complain. Um, the stadium's epic. Uh, 
This is the final one right before Zurich Diamond League. I cannot wait for Zurich Diamond League. I went there as well in 2018. What they've got in store for the final is just next level, and I cannot wait. So we're going to be back in a second and finish off this episode with a little bit of discussion about all the dumb rules that athletes have to face in track and field daily. Now, to finish off episode three here of Athletics Tonight, we are going to roll through some of the dumbest rules. What do you guys think that are the dumbest rules in track and field? Now, I put this out to the people on Instagram and got some good responses back. I'm going to go through a few of these responses and sort of open up. The first one was, uh, we need to get rid of the the false start rule. Now, that... I disagree. They could leave it in. Can you imagine the timetable blowouts if everyone, if we went back to the old days? That's the reason why it came back in. Look, I don't like one false start and you're gone. Okay, that seems super harsh, but there's got to be an in-between somehow. And this point one rule that you can't react faster than point one, I just don't believe that. I think that's ridiculous. Now, a lot of people come back with bib numbers and hip numbers. There's got to be a better way, to be honest. Bib numbers are fantastic for advertising if someone's going to pay for it. But if you haven't got a sponsor, why do you need a bib number? I know the officials use them to determine which an athlete is. So, you know, long jump run up, athlete 254 is on the runway. Yes, look up, 254, there you go, go for jump. But... To be honest, another athlete isn't going to jump, at the Olympics especially, another athlete isn't going to jump for someone else. That's just stupid. Hip numbers, they, they, I honestly, I don't have an answer for hip numbers. If you're in a lane, you don't need hip numbers. Simple as that. But if you're not in the lane, the hip numbers help the photo finish judge. Okay, when you, If you've ever seen a photo finish photo, when people are running through, you can't just go, oh, that's Bolt. Oh, except he's always in the front, so it's probably easy to pick Bolt. But nevertheless, someone else... The colours aren't always great. You can't tell the uniform. So the hip numbers need to be there, but there's got to be a better way than just slapping a bit of paper on. It's 2021. I've seen some um, some cloth hip numbers that the kids use, and uh, I think that's pretty gross. Just be like, here's my sweaty hip number that I just ran 3K in. Can you just slap this sweaty hip number on your thigh as well? Nah, don't rate that. Um, the old check-in, one hour before. Um when I was working down in New South Wales, we used to do check-ins for shield meets. And it'd be nothing worse than be like, oh, I've got to check in an hour before. You go there just about you know an hour and five minutes before. And the lineup is from Bay 11 all the way around Bay 13. It's like, how the bloody hell am I going to check in in time? I've been here an hour before. I know they've tried online check-ins and things like that. But you know the app never works. It's always this. It's always that. So we kind of booted check-ins in Queensland. Um, and seated the races beforehand but then there's always the opportunity if someone doesn't show up there's just a dead lane you know the first heat might be okay but then you might get to the last heat and there's someone in lane one someone in lane six and someone in lane ten that's not much of a race so that's kind of you know you're in between unless you're unless you're josh wright uh at peyton jordan in 2013 where he didn't check in right to start line they said you can't run and then when the gun went he just joined in the field so you can do that but uh it's not likely to, to end pretty well for you. Um, and the old backpack. Everyone just taking the shit out of your backpack when you go to through call room. It's ridiculous. I think it's just an Australian, a very heavily policed Australian thing. But 
the call room, mate, you might as well just go in there with a pair of spikes. And even then they might take those off you these days. But taking your bag in is like, mate, what can I not take in here? You've got a drink bottle. Oh, take the wrapping off your drink bottle. You've got a towel. Oh, and I better tape up that towel. Well, fuck, mate. My, my towel's now just taped. My models will just lay on a roll of tape. Coin flip. Now, this is the big one. I don't know. I couldn't find the coin flip in the rules at the moment, the new rules, but the coin flip. So if, say, there's a final, uh, eight-lane eight lane track, they're taking eight through to the final, and there's a dead heat for eighth. And I don't think they can split down to a thousandth if you're in a different heat. But even if they do, if it's a tie at a thousandth, it's a tie from the position you've came. It literally comes down to a coin flip. And you toss a coin, and whoever wins, heads or tails, gets into the final, and the other one goes the fuck home. And that sucks. I reckon I've seen two or three in my lifetime. I tried to video one once, which is probably pretty sad for the person who lost, but... I've also heard seen a uh, an Aussie lose a final spot to a Kiwi at an Australian Champs. It was down at Old Olympic Park in Melbourne, and it was for eighth place in the 400 meter hurdles. And they lost the coin toss to a Kiwi in an Australian final. That fucking sucks. Yeah, the penalty zone in in race walking. What's everyone's thoughts on that penalty zone? I don't. It just seems funny, like. But not funny, like, ha-ha. It just seems weird, like, oh, cool, you just get to, you know, you get three red cards, normally you're out, but now you just got to go stand over there for two minutes and then join back in. I just don't, I don't understand what they're trying to do. Like, just give them four cards if that's the case. Man, there's a lot of, a lot of people came back with getting everything taped. Thankfully, that's a bit looser now, but, you know, getting your socks taped. Fuck, he's taping my socks, mate. Just don't run your socks, seriously. Um, the women not doing the decathlon is another one. Now, you can't just say, sorry, ladies, you're now doing oh, bloody emails. That wasn't the Roosters, that's Westfields. Um, you can't just say everyone who's been training for their entire life for the heptathlon, nah, next one, you're just doing decath now. Sorry. You've kind of got to add, add it in. You've got to have it as an additional event, which I'm fine with if you then add the men's hep in, which I think would be sick too. So now the men do the hep, women hep, men decaf, women's decaf. That just makes sense. There's perfect parity then. If the 50K walks in, then everyone does exactly the same thing. Obviously, the hurdle heights are different and the throws and the stuff is different, but why not just try it? Just try it one day. Just one year, be like, you know, after everything, men, you're just doing a hep. And girls, you're doing a decaf. Welcome to bowl vault. Now the bell ringing, the bell ringing on a on an eight hundred meters. Seriously, if you can't bloody count your own laps in an eight hundred meters, you should not be running in eight hundred meters. I tried to find anything else that's similar, like uh, an indoor four hundred where you know it's a two hundred meter track and you run two laps. No bell ringing. Didn't ring a bell. No bells at all. Or did ring a bell because I remembered it. I remembered to think about it. But they didn't. They didn't ring a bell. Four by four. No bell. Nobel Peace Prize on that one. So, look, I don't know why they need to ring a bell. Maybe they should ring a bell before a 400. That's how they start a four. Because technically the guy in lane one or girl starts behind the line. So then when they cross the line, they ring the bell because he got one lap to go. Everyone's got one lap to go. I don't know. I'll think about that one. Yeah, hip numbers again. 
and the whole thing dressed to be, to dress to compete. Turn out on the track when you come out of the call room ready to go. Nah. Like they call it the summer of Aths, but how much of the Aths is actually in summer? First of March, it's autumn. It's the autumn Aths. Autumn of Aths. It's a bit of alliteration. AA, autumn of Aths. It works out perfectly, but it gets cold. Especially like you go over to Perth and you're trying to run at 9.30 at night. It gets chilly. Come to Queensland, that's perfect all the time and everyone runs fast and it's awesome, so we'll forget about that one. But, you know, Sydney gets a little bit cold. You're down at Melbourne, it gets a little bit cold. I, And you by doing this, you get rid of the basket kids. This rule has killed the basket kid. And there's no better way than getting introduced to Olympians, future Olympians, world champs, the best Australian representatives that we have by having basket kids. And sometimes, sometimes you know, a career might start as a basket kid. Bibs, we're back on bibs, but now we're on bibs made of paper. There is nothing worse than as a, as a singlet wearer, you know, I've got a three-day comp, put my bib on, run the heat, got the final tomorrow. Fuck, what am I going to do with my bib? Oh, try and, and you try and do this weird fold, so you fold your singlet around your bib, but then you just shove it in your bag, and no matter what happens when you pull it out, it is crumpled as fuck. And let's not even start with someone trying to put some of these bibs on a bloody crop top. The size of these bibs are ludicrous sometimes. They must pay per square centimetre for, for sponsors. I just don't understand. The old... um singlet tucked in way back in the day man that i just can't see that ever being a thing anymore can you imagine getting disqualified for not having a singlet tucked in i know you can get disqualified for taking your shirt off after the race if anyone remembers old mate french dude roland i had a uh a steeplechase and he took his shirt off with 100 meters to go pretty sure he got disqualified too um and then this last one sharing personal implements in throws as a as a, a track guy it for me it's just it just doesn't seem right that i can spend what two thousand dollars on a javelin my javelin i've made sure it's 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 the right weight i've checked it in myself and then everyone's just allowed to use it is there like an insurance system for this if if someone fucks up my jav they get they have to pay me what if i grab someone's jav and i was like Oh, oh, mate, he's, he's actually in pretty good shape. I might. And I'm throwing before him in the order. You know what? I'm just going to take his jab. And I'm just going to foul this one. But I'm going to foul it straight into the fucking cameraman over there. Whoops. Oh, no. I've got a foul. That's a shame. And now his javelin's all fucked up. Is this a thing? Like, And maybe maybe he doesn't like chalk chalking up his hands. So I'm just going to chalk the fuck out of my hands. And he's going to have this chalky shit jab next time knee throws I, I just don't see that as a thing like why should i be punished that i've gone out there and grabbed my own jab it 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 just doesn't make sense to me as a sprinter it's like someone borrowing my spikes I, like before 100 meters everyone just puts their spikes in this big pit and then the first heat just gets to take a pair of spikes out and wear them in the race. And now I'm sitting behind the blocks just barefoot waiting for my spikes to get returned by a little remote control car is that is that legit? In tennis, you don't just see them. You don't just see Federer and Nadal. You know, oh, you know what? I'm just going to grab that racket there. And Nadal's like, "Excuse me, mate." And he's like, "Mate, this is how it's working. I'm, I'm using that racket." You can't just use someone else's golf clubs. 
in a game of golf when you're playing tournaments. You can't even ask what a, someone else hit with what club they hit. That's against the rules. So you imagine someone using someone's club. Look, there's some absolute, like, the honestly, track and field's been around for forever. But I feel like some of our rules are still stuck in the, the old times. It's like we're we're we're, tr- we're trying so hard to to catch back up to you know technology and there's technology everywhere in in track and field but there's just some things that we're still trying to figure out like we've like you saw the Olympics they've got speed down the track you know we're using EDMs we're using VDMs which is like a video distance measuring device we when there's there's video refs now at all these Olympics every olympics and major champs like as soon as a race starts someone's watching slow-mos that's why there's probably more dqs but i still need to check in an hour before i still need to put a bit of paper across my shirt and if i'm in a race without lanes you gotta slap a number on my thigh it just doesn't make sense i really if anyone's got an answer to bib numbers message sebco and say mate i've got it unless you know the Big bib number companies will actually. I think there's only one guy who does bib numbers in all of Australia, and he's based in WA. And I didn't know he was based in WA, and I ordered a fair few hip numbers. I'm sorry, the hip number guy in WA, and I ordered some. I needed them for the weekend, and he's. I was like, "Oh mate, can I just pop over and grab them?" And he's like, "Uh, "I'm in Perth, mate." I was like, "Oh shit!" I also remember another time someone had like a a calculation to. Uh, work out how many bib num- hip numbers they needed. So, you know, oh, we've got 17 races with three, two genders, all this, blah, 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 bang. But he just had a number out wrong and he ordered 400 kilos of hip numbers. And I think we may still be using those hip numbers today. So, you know, if you've used a hip number recently, it's probably part of that batch. Well, for the end of that, That'll do me for, for this week of episode three of, uh, of Athletics Tonight. Um, I look forward to doing some more. We've still got Brussels. That is coming up. I can't wait for that one. We've got plenty of Aussies in there. Some pretty cool races coming up for that one. And then it's Zurich, the final of the Diamond League. And we'll next week wrap up the Paralympics and the Australians that went out there and I can literally inspire the entire nation. I need to mute my computer with all these... Um, bloody emails coming through and they're not fun emails they're just advertising it's a waste of time but cool this is not a waste of time you listen to this and me doing this not a waste of time listen tell people other people to listen um yeah cool peace (laughs)